This is Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. From whimsical children's books like Healers of the Water Monster by Brian Yazzie, to historical fiction like The Lost Journals of Sacagawea by Deborah Erling, Indigenous authors brought us a wide variety of inspired reading this year. As 2023 comes to an end, we're taking a look back at Native literature that entertained and gave us colorful perspectives. We'll talk with some Native authors about their favorite reads from 2023 after National Native News. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. Indigenous community leaders held a lecture series in Washington, D.C. this week to discuss successes in federal partnerships to boost tourism, as well as a path forward to build on that success. But federal assistance that was expected nearly a decade ago is arriving slower than anticipated. For the Mountain West News Bureau, Dylan Smart reports. When President Obama signed the Native Act in 2016, Native leaders were hopeful that it would stimulate a vibrant tourism industry in their communities. It got off to a good start. But Wizapan Little Elk Garriott says it tapered off within a year, and leaders want to get it started again. Garriott is with the Interior Department and a member of the Rosebud Sioux Tribe. The Act you know, continues to really have a strong mandate, and, and everyone is, is supportive tribes, Congress, and it's really about uh, how can we implement and how can we continue to think about strengthening these efforts. Garriott discussed long-term plans for getting federal agencies on board with the Native Act. It mandated that certain agencies make resources available for economic development surrounding tourism in Indigenous communities. I'm Dylan Samard. Many Alaska Natives are members of the Russian Orthodox Church and observe Christmas in early January with a seven-day celebration called Slavic or Slavi, which comes from the Russian word glory. For many this year, there will be something missing from the holiday, the presence of Father Michael Alexa, who died in November at age 76. KMBA's Rhonda McBride knew him personally and shares a few of her memories. Father Michael Alexa was a priest, a teacher, scholar, historian, and much more. But the thread that ran through it all was his storytelling. And like many Alaskans, I have a favorite one to share from his time living in the southwestern Alaska village of Guithluk, where he was studying for the priesthood and was invited on a muskrat hunt. And we came home one afternoon with about a dozen muskrats. And the lady of the house, who was my Yupik teacher, Annabelle Olick, she was delighted. She skinned and gutted these muskrats. And then she set the table with washcloths as well as spoons. Now, I knew we were having soup, but the washcloths mystified me. I was soon to find out that those were for bukuking, a word I had not yet learned. Buguk in Yuktun is to eat tiny bits of meat that cling to the bone, which you patiently pick away at with your fingers. At the end of the meal, my teacher, Annabelle, came to me and said, you're done, aren't you? And I thought I was, so I said yes. But she didn't look happy about my answer. And as he looked around the table, he saw that everyone else was still bugooking their muskrats. So he did his best to copy them. And with a lot of extra effort and noise, <laughs> that's the Yupik word, bugooking, removing the meat from every little bone. 
For Father Alexa, this was his first lesson in Yupik etiquette. Waste nothing. You consume everything as a sign of gratitude and respect, even for the animals who have died to keep you alive. It was the spirituality of living off the land that he shared in lectures across the state. And one of his last legacies, his work to canonize the Russian Orthodox Church's first female saint in North America, Matushka Olga, or Mother Olga, the wife of a Quithluk priest known for her healing love, especially for abused women, a cause also close to Father Alexa's heart. In Anchorage, I'm Rhonda McBride. And I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. When you celebrate responsibly, you ensure holidays filled with joy, love, and cherished moments. And you keep yourself and loved ones safe while setting a positive example. Cheers to safe celebrations. Support by Diageo and the Multicultural Consortium for Responsible Drinking. More at drinkiq.com. Lakota-made indigenous first medicines and eco-friendly personal care products are small batch prepared in the Lakota traditions using sustainably harvested natural and organic ingredients and all can be found at lakotamade.com who support this show. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. This is Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. I love to read, and I also love to discuss good books with other readers. This year, we were able to talk with a handful of Native authors about their new books, but there wasn't enough time to talk about all the new titles that were published by large and small publishers. Today, we'll talk with Native authors and book lovers about some of their favorite works from the past year, which run from poetry collections to children's picture books to historical fiction. You can join us, too. What new Native-themed books did you read this year? Give us a call and share your favorite titles and authors from 2023. Our number is 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. On the line in Minneapolis, Minnesota, is Allison Waka. She's the president of the American Indian Library Association. She's Menominee and Navajo. Allison, welcome back to NAC. Thank you for having me. Joining us from New Buffalo, Michigan is Angeline Bully. She's the author of Warrior Girl Unearthed, the sequel to her debut bestseller, The Firekeeper's Daughter. She's a member of the Sault Ste. Marie tribe of Chippewa Indians. Hi, Angeline. Welcome back to the show. Ah, bonjour, Anine. Hello. Bonjour. Joining us from Durango, Colorado is Esther Boleyn. She's a poet artist, educator, and the new Poet Laureate of Durango. She's Dene. Welcome back to NAC, Esther, and congratulations. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Yate. And in Albuquerque, New Mexico, we have Laurel Goodluck on the line. She's a children's author, and she is Mandan, Hedatsa, and Simshan. Hello, Laurel. Great to have you back on the show as well. 
Oh, thank you. Dosha Medigua. Great to be here with all of you. Let's go ahead and get this conversation started. Allison, 2023, has it been a good year for Native books and authors? Yes, I, I would have to say so. Um, I'm part of the um, American Indian Library Association. We have the American Indian Youth Literature Awards. And part of that is we receive um, publishers send us the books throughout the year um, as their entries. And so it's it's really exciting because every day um, practically you get a new book in the mail, which is really exciting for me. Um, and we've had some really, really awesome entries. And um, it's been really enjoyable to sit on that, that uh, board and review the books. Well, tell us, what have been some of your favorite reads this year? Um, I would have to say my, my, one of my very favorites is A Letter for Bob. And I'm not sure if many people have heard of it. But it's, um, it's about a book um, about a car and his name is Bob. And so it kind of goes through um, how it just really, really touched me on how my mom always made us name our cars. And she would always <laughs> say to us, like, you need to name them because they're taking care of us and you have to like um, respect them and, and say, which she would always make us say, thank you. Thank you. You know, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I remember us, like, driving through. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> I would have to say that's one of my favorites. Um, uh, well, who's the author? Who's year. the author of a letter for Bob? Um, it's yeah. Uh, Kim Rogers and Jonathan Nelson is the illustrator. Okay. And, and this is a native so, book. Yeah. It is. It is. Okay. Yeah. And now is it, so I is it like a humorous book or is it like... It is. Uh, it's a children's book. It's just really okay. cute. Um, oh, Kim Rogers is from um, Wichita, an affiliated tribe. So she's she's native. Um, and then Jonathan is, is Navajo. So okay. it's, it's a children's book and it just goes through... And one of the, and I really enjoy it too, because they mentioned that, you know, Bob takes them to the library, which is, you know... Of course, one of my favorite things to do. So um, it's just a really cute, easy, easy read, and but really relatable to Native children, and also the fact that it kind of shows our culture and the way that we are to non-Native children, right? In a way that um, is relatable, and um, in in one of our, I, I would. Uh, so it just it just kind of shows. To, to non-native children too, like how we how we operate. It sounds really interesting. What kind of car is Bob? I'm curious. You know, it it's a, just kind of I would say it kind of looks like one of those old Chryslers, you know, um, the four door. <laughs> fits. Sedan, a little bit so of a res Chevy. car then. A little bit it of a resmobile. He is okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh wow. Oh, this sounds like a good one. Uh, any other titles, Allison, that, that you were especially excited about that came out this year? Yeah. Um, I, so one of the other ones that I really enjoyed is um, the Taos Pueblo uh, did one that had all the seasons, which is um, uh, winter, fall, summer, spring, you know, and it's it has. So one of the things that I like, it has no words, right? But it's by, um, it's out of Taos. Pueblo and um, the illustrator is, is is from Taos and it's absolutely beautiful and um, I I just I really really loved it it just kind of 
even without words, gives you a story of how the seasons are and uh, and what what kind of activities they're doing in wintertime and summer and so forth. So it's really, I really enjoyed them. I thought they were, they're more of like a board book. So like for um, like early, early learners um, that, you know, tend to chew on books or so forth. So um, okay. I really, really okay. liked those. Yep. So it's, it's four in the series. Taos Pueblo, Four Seasons, book number one, Winter, by the Taos Pueblo Tiwa Language Program. That's what's coming up here. Right, right. And so I forget the publisher, but I think the publisher publishers are also Native. Um, so um, that's, that's a really good. Um, and I'll, one of the things that we struggle with, too, as a lot of our entries, they tend to be Native authors, but then non-Native illustrators, right? And so, and we require both. You have to have a native illustrator as well. And so, um, I think publishers need to also uh, look at that, right? And and then we need more um, native illustrators out there, right? So look into publishing. And um, but so um, the Taos Pueblo doing their own, it's really, and then having a native publisher is just even better. Hmm. Now, Joy Harjo, she published a new book this year. Uh, it's titled Remember. What would you think of that one? Yes. Oh, you know, I, I it's from a poem of hers. And um, I think that it just, um, it's just really amazing. I mean, everybody loves Joy, right? Um, but the illustrations are just um, amazing because it's, um, um, I always say in the, I always say this wrong, but Michaela, I think, of Goad. Um, so she's the one that did the – she, she's a, a huge illustrator. So um, And so it's one of Joy's older poems. I think in the 90s she wrote it. So it's a, um, a book illustrated by, by her poem, Remember. And um, one of the, the kind of the, the words throughout is like, remember you are all people and all people are you. And it's just a really important message that I think um, for our younger generations and even for my age, it's um, remembering where we come from. And um, it sort of has like the creation story that the universe is us. And um, it's just really a beautiful book. These all sound like fantastic titles, Allison. Thank you for sharing. And Angeline, I want to ask you, Is you already know I'm a big fan of uh, Warrior Girl Unearthed. You were on the show earlier this year, and you talked about it. But I'm curious, uh, what's been the response from other readers so far? Oh, it's been overwhelmingly positive. And what I think is really neat is that a number of readers say that they like my uh, second book even more than Firekeepers, which, you know, I... It took 10 years to write Firekeeper's Daughter and one to write uh, Warrior Girl. And so to get this really great feedback on my sophomore novel is, is unexpected and delightful. Well, you're two and two, which is so fantastic. And Angeline, of course, I, I know the last time you were on this show, I pressed you for information on the third installment of, of this series. And any updates you can share? Yes, it hasn't been officially announced yet, but I'm just going to say it. 
uh, Macmillan um, offered me a an incredible contract for books three and four. And uh, yes, in my Firekeeper Chronicles uh, series. Oh my gosh, Macmillan. Okay, breaking news here on Native America Calling. <laughs> books number three and four will be coming out at some point in the future. And of course, uh, I know the Obamas optioned uh, the rights to produce the television version, the movie version of the series. How about that? Where's that at? Because I know there was a little bit of a delay with the pandemic, I think. Uh, what the writer's strike actually is is oh, what delayed it. So we'll, you know, stay tuned. We'll we'll see what happens. Many many books get optioned, and few actually make it across that finish line. Okay. Well, I'll tell you that will be the role, the role of of Donis Fontaine. That will be like the premier role for a native actor. Uh, when that happens. So we're going to take a short break. Uh, we come back. We're going to talk more with Angeline. We're going to talk more with Allison. We're also going to talk with Esther and Laurel about all of the great new books that came out this year. Books by Native authors, Native writers, uh, different types of stories, children's books, adult reading, poetry. We're covering it all today here on Native America Calling. And any book lovers out there, bookworms, this show is for you. So give us a call. If there was a specific book you read this year by a Native author that really resonated with you, you really enjoyed it, you really thought it added value and gave you a new perspective and really encouraged you and it excited you, give us a call. Tell us all about it. 1-800-996-2848. We've got our phone lines open. 1-800-99-NATIVE. Give us a call. We want to hear from you on Native America Calling. A momentous year in native pop culture saw the dramatic portrayal of a dark time in Osage history and the end of a tale about a group of teenagers. As we close out 2023, we'll reflect on the native stories that connected with mass audiences. That's on the next Native America Calling. It's the holiday and everyone looks forward to friends and family and sharing in the joy of the season. So remember to celebrate responsibly. The holidays often include enjoying a drink or two, so it's crucial to remember moderation is vital. Here's a tip to help you celebrate responsibly. Set a limit. Decide in advance how many drinks you'll have and stick to it. You can also alternate alcoholic beverages with water or other non-alcoholic options. Happy holidays. Support by Diageo and the Multicultural Consortium for Responsible Drinking. More at drinkiq.com. You are listening to Native America Calling. We're highlighting Native literature of 2023 today, and you're welcome to join us with your favorite book from a Native author that was published this year. We're at 1-800-996-2848. 1-800-996-2848. we got the phone lines open. Give us a call. Angeline Bully, the author of Warrior Girl Unearthed and The Firekeeper's Daughter, now, Angeline, as busy as you are writing, uh, I don't know how you find time to read as well, but I know you do. So what are your, what were some of your favorite Native books that you read this year? Well, uh, Harvest House by Cynthia Lydic-Smith. Um, I love what she does. She does something similar to what I do, which is um, a character that's mentioned in one book becomes the protagonist in a, a subsequent book. 
And so I like that we get to be, we get to see a character from, um, uh, oh gosh, I'm blanking on the first, uh, Cynthia's book that came out and Huey, the little brother is the main character in Harvest House. Um, and Hearts Unbroken is the, the first book. Um, I also really want to give a shout out to uh, Julie Buckholtz, who is enrolled with Bay Mills uh, Tribe of Chippewa, and she wrote a book called Who Am I? And it's published by um, Sleeping Bear Press, uh, which is you know a very um, Michigan-based uh, publishing company, and it's just beautiful—a beautiful children's book. Um, by a first-time author. And does it also have a native illustrator? Uh, no, it does not. Angeline, what do you look for when you read? I mean, what what types are, are, are you, do you like historical fiction? Do you like kind of suspense thriller books? Do you like humorous books? What's your favorite? I really love uh, mystery thrillers. But I have a little grandniece now, so I'm uh, always looking at picture books and, uh, you know, uh, so I, I kind of really am involved with both. <laughs> uh-huh. And have you thought at all about writing children's books? Um, I think maybe I'll think about it after um, I get done with my fourth book. But really what interests me is I've been a different writer for each book I've done, and I love the stories behind my stories. And so I think I'd really be more interested in writing a book that's part memoir and part craft of writing. Um, I, I, I love those kinds of books, too. Interesting. Any other titles, any other authors that really stood out this year from your reading? Well, you mentioned uh, Brian Young and his book, Heroes of the Water Monster, uh, which is a sequel to Healers of the Water Monster, and that came out this year, too. Um, so, and those, the, I just am such a fan of his. What is it you like most about Brian Brian's writing? I love that he just weaves, you know, Navajo storytelling and... The fam, the you know, family relationships, and um, I, he just, yeah, he just does a great job. That's awesome, Angelina. One thing, I mean, another focus that that I always think about with shows like this is just really encouraging folks to read. And I, I've got a daughter, and it's sometimes she just loves to read and other times it's kind of hard to get her to read. And what's your advice for, for parents and grandparents and anybody else just to encourage young people to read more? How do we do that? I think the best way is to lead by example. So, you know, if your kids see you, you know, sitting down with a, with a book, even if it's for 10 minutes or 15 minutes, I mean, that's a great way to start a wonderful habit. Um, I'm a huge fan of parents and caretakers just giving children the freedom to pick whatever books they would like and not restricting them just to the children's section. Um, I know my parents did that for me, and uh, for, I, I 
am a very eclectic reader. Um, so I love that too. Thanks, Angeline. I want to bring Esther Belen into the conversation now. And Esther, of course, uh, the new poet laureate of Durango. And I want to ask you, who are some Native poets who really got your attention this year? Yeah, um, thank you for acknowledging um, my latest recognition as poet laureate. It's going to be really fun um, developing that position. And, you know, I when we had talked about this earlier, I had mentioned a few writers that actually published um, last year, um, and those books I'm barely getting to. I think, you know, as a writer and um, educator, you, I feel like I'm always backlogged on books. But I know um, DJ, um, DG Nanook, Pick her blood snow um, is definitely worth picking up. Um, Bojan Lewis, uh, Sinking Bell short stories. He had um, a published first uh, poetry book, and now he's um, doing some um, short stories. But I'm currently looking at um, Cynthia Sylvester's The Half White album, and then a graphic novel by Emily Bowen Cohen, Two Tribes. And all of, every time I pick up a new book, it's always in relation to, you know, where can I incorporate it into my classes? I teach in the Native American and Indigenous Studies program at Fort Lewis College in, in Durango. And Angeline, I'm thrilled that we're sharing airwaves today because I teach um, Firekeeper's Daughter in my Intro to NAIS course, and I use it as the frame to um, not only really digest into the novel, but also companion it with so many other issues, contemporary issues, as well as federal Indian policy. Um, and it's just a great, uh, a great way to read the novel because it is um, pretty long and we can really take our time and then we can really digest some of the super complex issues that affect Indigenous people and continue to affect us. Esther, what do you hear from your students uh, after they read Fire... Uh... Warrior Girl Unearthed and, and Firekeeper's Daughter. What are, what is their their main takeaway? Their main response? Yeah, I I think a lot of it is just relatability. I'm really fortunate that um, the institution that I work at has a majority of um, Native American student um, population. So our Native um, Studies um, courses have a good amount of Native students. So they not only relate to it, but they really understand how federal policy, how colonization, how the practice of decolonization affects them. We talk about um, privilege, power, and oppression. I mean, there's so many elements. And then the beautiful thing is also to um, encourage them to do a creative final project around it. Mm -hmm. 
Well, there, it's something. There's something about learning through fiction like that, and, and the storytelling that it's so much different than like just reading a nonfiction book on, on native policy. Angela, I want to have you comment. Uh, are you hearing other teachers and instructors using your books in the classroom? Yes, I do hear that, and my publisher Macmillan on uh, their website, Mac Kids uh, School and Library, and also on my author website, AngelineBully.com. Uh, we have free downloadable uh, teacher's guides, book discussion guides, and then um, Firekeepers was picked as the Great Michigan Read, and so the Michigan Humanities Council has an excellent teacher's guide um, for that as, uh, also. Oh, that's all super exciting. Um, Esther, I want to ask you, you mentioned the graphic novel Two Tribes. That That sounds really cool, too. Tell us more about that one. Yeah, well, and actually, um, the Two Tribes and the Half-White album, part of the reason I was really um, curious about those two are um, both of the writers are mixed race, and they're writing from an urban Indian perspective, and, and which is my experience, right? So both my parents were taken off the Navajo Reservation, sent to boarding school in Riverside, California, which, you know, kind of streamlined them into um, the workforce right after. So I grew up in the L.A. area, and a lot of my writing has, you know, kind of been rooted in that experience. And so it's really great to see other writers embracing that um, visually through the um, the two different tribes, um, the um, protagonist in there is Jewish and Native and really struggling with that issue of um, just being whole, right? I think when we talk about Indian policy, especially blood quantum and colorism, there we just fractionate ourselves internally as um, tribal people. And, and the other book, which is really, I mean, super fun, the way um, that she created um, uh, how, how we're going to enter her world is similar to, so the Half White album is kind of a reference to the Beatles' White album, but it's through music. And she has these very great sort of um, live um, sessions, uh, vignettes of hybrid writing. It's, it's kind of poetic, but it's also fiction. And it seems like there's some nonfiction pieces in there. But it's, it's a really amazing, um, thoughtful content on how to bring in the reader. And, and to me, so when I do teach actual lit classes, I think about literary sovereignty, right? I think about how indigenous writers are recreating our own oral storytelling into the writing and and how we are really just reclaiming a lot of that landscape. And it, I mean, that's the exciting time that I think that's happening right now. Also, Esther, tell us more about your role as Poet Laureate of Durango. What are some of your responsibilities? Yeah, so this is a new position, and I, I feel like the the exciting part of this is it's collaborative, and I feel like it's also a great opportunity to incorporate storytelling and community building around here. Um, you know, so Durango does sit 
very near um, several different Indian reservations, so often referred to as the border town, and really using poetics, and especially, you know, because I'm Navajo, so Navajo poetics is really integral to not only language, but also story, and trying to use that really interesting lens to connect community. And I'm working with some of uh, there's a committee of local folks who are um, really involved in supporting poetry. And we're really just starting to create the position. And I know there's some official duties I'll be doing, which will be really fun. But I think really it's just to engage the community in story and the idea of poetry and the magic of language. And how long do you remain Poet Laureate in a situation like this? Is this like a one-year position? It's actually a three-year post, which is, that's, I think that's the really nice part about it, is so I, I really have time to develop um, programming and work with people to create um, different poetic movements, if you will, in town and in the area. And it's also partnered with an inspiring youth poet. So I'll be working with a youth poet as well on um, some of the programming in town. Well, these are all just some really, really interesting and insightful conversations we're having on our show today. Give us a call if you'd like to join the conversation, if you have something to add with regard to Native books, Native poetry, Native stories that were published this year. 1-800-996-2848 is our number to call. Laurel, good luck. You've also had a very busy year. You released a couple of new books so far. Tell us about them. Uh, Yes. In October, I released She Persisted, Deb Holland, and that was with Penguin Random House, part of their series. So I got to uh, finally reveal this chapter book for young readers that Deb is such a role model to all these children that will now, you know, can see her story and know what it took as a youngster, what she was like, and they can be like her. So I'm really proud of that. And then uh, Rock Your Mocks, also in October with um, Heart Drum, and so a beautiful ode to Jaylene Atsi, who started Rock Your Mocks as a teenager, and... Um, how she started this movement, so I was able to capture that and the love of moccasins and wearing your culture every day if you want to. So it's exciting, end of the year here, um, and um, sharing these books with youngsters in schools was the highlight of all of that. Well, I'm going to echo your shout-out to Jalen Atsi. She's actually a very close relative, a niece of mine, so very, very happy with her success as well. And... Laurel, um, you've got some more work uh, coming up soon, too. I mean, aren't you even going to perhaps publish another book, even even though we're almost at the end of the year? I think you've got something coming up just within a very short time, don't you? Right. In January, come and join me. If you're in Albuquerque, I'm going to be at Bookworks on the 27th. I have a new picture book called Too Much, My Great Big Native Family, which is just a fun book about a little Native boy who loves his family, he's with his his big family all the time, but he's got some news he wants to tell them. And there's he's having a hard time having them listen, just what it's like being in a big family. And so he goes about all of these different places with his family, and that's 
what I like most about this book is that kids can see themselves in their modern everyday lives at restaurants, at movie theaters, all these different places that they go to as a family. But at the end, he finds out that there's never too much love and how much he appreciates being in that big family. So it's kind of, it's of course based on my own clanship from the Mandan, Hadatsa, and Simshian and our societal roles and how we've kept those values going into, um, you know, our contemporary times. We're going to take another short break here, but anybody listening with comments or questions or thoughts about Native books that came out this year or especially prolific Native authors that uh, you enjoy reading their work, especially stuff they published this year, give us a call, 1-800-996-2848. We're at 1-800-996-2848. Call us, talk to us, tell us about your favorite books, Native books. 2023. Does your club, institution, or other group need custom branded apparel? A wide variety of t-shirts, hoodies, and much more, all custom printed or embroidered, are available from nativescreenprinting.com, a division of Skyscreen Printing who support this program. Native American-made gifts at Ho-Chunk Inc.'s Sweetgrass Trading Co. include food, beauty, and wellness items from across Turtle Island. Christmas delivery available for orders placed by December 18th at SweetgrassTradingCo.com. Ho-Chunk Inc. supports this show. Thank you for tuning in to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce, and we're talking with Native authors about their favorite books by other Native authors that were published this year. You can join this conversation at 1-800-996-2848. In a few minutes, we'll also get an update on how Native athletes are doing at the National Finals Rodeo in Las Vegas, Nevada, from none other than Randy Taylor, host of NV1's Word with a Champ. So stay tuned. Right now, among our other authors, we have Laurel Goodluck on the line. She's a children's author. And Laurel, before we went to break, you talked a little bit about uh, how this current book that you're working on, uh, it draws from some of your own traditional knowledge with regard to clanship and kinship. And uh, is that where you get a lot of your own ideas from your own culture and your own life experience? Or, or do you draw from other areas as well? Well, I think that's the main reason. That's the heart of the of my book is drawing from my own experience as a Native person. And of course, that includes our culture. And so that's the main mission that I have as an author is that I can showcase that and kids can see that that can be their superpowers as they navigate through life, that they can rely on all those strengths. Laurel, do you do book readings for children? Do you go to schools or libraries or community centers and read your books out loud? Yeah, I definitely do that. I just was working with Indian Education here at Albuquerque Public Schools this past few weeks and got to meet um, about 400, 500 kids and really had a, a nice time with them. And what's that like when you see kids and they're, they're listening to your stories as you tell them? And, and, and I imagine they're sitting there maybe on the floor in a circle. And how does that make you feel? And, and what do they tell you? Oh, it just makes me feel great. I mean, this is the frosting on top of the cake is when your book is out and you're able to read it with kids and they connect with it and they may connect with it a little bit different. Each kid kind of 
depending on their grade level and such, and they have just really fun, great questions, and they're real curious about what it means to be an author and what it means to write, and I like to tell them that they're all storytellers and that there's other ways to tell stories, find out that kids love to draw, kids love to write, kids love to be on TikTok, kids love all different forms of storytelling. So I think that's the fun part is helping them realize these these things that they have inside themselves. Any other children's books that, that caught your eye this year from other Native authors, Laurel? Oh, gosh, it's hard. I have uh, uh, stacks and stacks of them from my friends that are just prolific writers. Three of them that I picked for today to talk about is Dawn Quigley. She has a series called Jojo McCoons, and it's the first young chapter book series that a native has done, and she has three of them out. And what's so beautiful about this is Dawn comes from a background of education, and she knows kids. And she knows how to use the words, how to explain um, things that are on a kid level. It's so kid-friendly, but it's also very cultural-friendly in that it's this little Jojo is this spunky little main character that is has got a lot of spirit, but she's just so in love and natural with her culture. It's woven through her life. It's in her DNA, and it comes out in that way and just a natural, joyous way, and that's that really a, um, a good thing for kids to be able to see. One, one thing I've really learned from reading a lot of children's books is, is the best children's authors, they just have that unique gift to think like a child, and, and Laurel, you have it, and it sounds like uh, this book you're describing, this author has it as well, so just really appreciate you sharing your gift uh, for storytelling, along with all the other writers that we have on our show today, Esther and Angeline and uh, Allison, as well as the president of the American Indian Library Association. And Allison, I want to ask you uh, to chime in again, Just it just seems like Native writing, just there's so many more Native authors now than there were even 10 years ago, and, and so many different types of books and so many different types of written works that are coming out. Uh, does it ever amaze you just the evolution of uh, Native writing and just how far it's come in your own lifetime? It's been so amazing. I remember as a little girl, I always had to um, <clears throat> read Tony Hillerman, right? That was my only option as a child that really had any any natives in it. And so um, I am so happy and thrilled now that um, with uh, my sister runs a, a, a book club, Native Women and Friends Book Club. And, and with that, when we finally could transition to fully reading Native authors throughout a whole full calendar year. And um, this month, we're actually reading Love Jams by Tashia Hart which is um, a, a romance, a true romance, which I I really have, haven't seen that before, right? Uh, an Indian romance book. <laughs> so they go <laughs> find love in, uh, while looking uh, through the berry patch. And it's just so, um, it's really wonderful to see the evolution. And um, we we at our core have always been storytellers, right? But it's like, we are finally making that and I think publishers too are finally recognizing that um, these books are needed and wanted and um, just seeing how 
um, awesome, uh, just a variety of different books too, and throughout children's books and um, and now with graphic novels, like you were mentioning, a Sacagawea, um, my niece is just devoured, and one is eleven and one is is six, and they both loved it, right? And so just seeing that um, those books kind of grab our our children, it's just really amazing to see. Well, I've got a whole lot of titles here <laughs> that I'm going to be doing some Google searching on and uh, interested in, in reading some of these books and, and learning more about some of these authors that we've been discussing so far on the show. So Allison, Angeline, Esther, and Laurel, thank you all again for joining us to talk about Native books, uh, especially, especially wonderful Native books that have been published this year in 2023 as we reflect back on the year in Native literature. And in these last minutes of the hour, I'd like to take a moment to hear about what's happening at the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo. It's wrapping up in Las Vegas, Nevada this week, and a group of Native rodeo athletes are competing. Joining us now from Las Vegas is Randy Taylor. He's a professional rodeo announcer, and you may know him also as the host of our sister Native Voice One program called Word with a Champ. He's Cherokee. Welcome. Hello, Randy. How you doing? Hello, Sean. I am doing just fine from Las Vegas. How are you today? I'm doing fantastic, and uh, we've been talking books, and let's talk a little bit of rodeo now. I know dozens of cowboys and cowgirls from across the country qualified to participate in this year's finals. Who are the native rodeo athletes that are, you are paying close attention to right now, Randy? Thank you, Sean. We're at the National Finals Rodeo. It's sanctioned by the Professional Rodeo Cowboys Association. We have three individuals that have all came up through the program of the Indian National Finals Rodeo, and they are doing wonderful. Daniel Lohman, earlier in the week, was at the fourth ever National Finals Breakaway Roping. She won three rounds representing the Navajo Nation in a stellar fashion. The world was listening after she had victory and then had a lot to say. It was fun. Uh, Jayco Roper has jumped in, a Cherokee Cowboy, and won a round. All of our individuals have won rounds, and that is very prestigious. That's like winning a game in the World Series, what have you. Uh, Jayco Roper, a rookie from Oklahoma, won a round, and those rounds are worth $30,706.07. So it is substantial in the world's standings. Um, Coleman Proctor, a Cherokee, has won a round as well. He's won over 58000 A 2017 champion, Eric Rogers, has won a round as well. Uh, he is a Navajo individual, and the number one man after eight head is Derek Begay. He is a Navajo cowboy at his 10th national finals mm -hmm. rodeo. So Indian country is well represented. And that, <laughs> yeah, and that sounds is fun like. to report on. That, that, that's no dress rehearsal, Sean. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. And, and Derek Begay, I mean, he's a household name. He's just a, a big deal in, in rodeo. Of course, in Indian country and far beyond Indian country. And, and Randy, I want to ask you, because, you know, for folks that, that might not understand rodeo, I mean, there's INFR, Indian National Finals Rodeo, which is specific for indigenous rodeo athletes. But NFR, this is this is not just natives. This is everybody, the best of the best. And is there a different energy there with regard to the native rodeo athletes that are competing against other top tier non-native athletes? Is it 
kind of different from INFR? Can you compare and contrast the two a little bit? The analogy that I utilize is the Canadians have come down and enjoyed their flag and their culture and their people competing, and Indian country has done the same. Uh, we have three individuals. Shad Mayfield is a former world champion. John Douch, uh, a, a black individual, won a round here. His first in three qualifications here got his first win the other day. That was very exciting. Uh, Fred Whitfield has eight world championships um, he is an African-American. Yes, the culture, it is all America. I mean, we're, it's cowboys and cowgirls, and that in, involves the minorities and everyone that comes here to compete, and really all that is thrown down. We look at eight seconds at a time in the bareback and saddle bronc and bull riding up against animals, and everyone is in it together, and Vegas really is cowboy and cowgirl during the national finals rodeo. And Randy, please remind us, how do our native athletes qualify for NFR? They are in the, they join the Professional Rodeo Cowboys Association, which is equivalent to the National Football League or the Professional Golf Association or NASCAR. Um, They earn money. A dollar is a point, and they are in the top 15 in each of the eight respective rodeo events. And then they qualify for the World Series of our sport, or it is more like a Super Bowl or well, more like a World Series because that has seven and this has ten. So we have two more rounds to go, and championships are won or lost, and it's going to be fun to watch Indian country as they make a stand. And what's the prize money? If somebody comes in first at, at NFR in an event, what's the typical prize money for that? So per round, it's 30000 as I mentioned, $706. And if they are the best on ten, that is that measures up to... 79,000 plus, 79,400 something. So that is substantial. A dollar is a point. You take what you earned all season long, maybe 100 rodeos, and then bring it here for 10 rounds and go at it. And what you did for the season plus the finals, the total equals a world champion, the the best. Mm -hmm. Uh, To beat someone here at the 10 rounds, you beat the top 15. And that's substantial. Yeah, it is. That really is. What about the Cowgirls, Randy? Who's performing well there? Well, I'm watching three from South Dakota. Uh, Jessica Routier has been in the middle of the pack for seven, eight years. Lisa Lockhart, like 17-time here, never won the world. She's in contention for her first world title. Uh, Brittany Posey is leading it. A gal from uh, Glenham, South Dakota, married a Native American family, the Kozel family up there. Uh, she won a round. She won Cheyenne. So so those are friends and relatives that we are watching. I'm okay. from the Dakotas. In the and Randy, I'm right. sorry. Are these, okay, is that breakaway you're talking about, these these three ladies that you just described? Okay. The Danielle Lohman, the Indian cowgirl, the Navajo, participated in an Indian or a national finals breakaway roping, which was before the 10 rounds at the Thomas and Mac. This was on Monday and Tuesday or Tuesday and Wednesday. She won three rounds. So that's a new event to rodeo. And Indian country has really handled that because our cowgirls at the Indian National Finals Rodeo have been roping all along. Mm. And what about the barrel racers? The barrel racers <clears throat> are amazing. That The horse race is on. I think that is one of the most spectacular professional events in sports. I mean, they come 
clicking down and these horses are really really special and these guys are very talented and uh we'd like to see lisa lockhart uh texan versus south dakota it's going to come down to two rounds there in the cloverleaf pattern as well Randy, uh, super, super interesting, exciting information. Now, I know NFR wraps up tomorrow, so what are you looking forward to tonight and uh, for the remainder of the rodeo competition? Well, in the team roping, Indian country is doing very well. Uh, Eric Rogers could come win another round and show him that he is the 17 world champ at his 11th. Coleman Proctor with Logan Medlin, Indian Cowboy Cherokee, we're watching our cowboy. He's already won 53 grand. Derek Begay is leading the average for the 79,000 with two to go. Wow, what a very exciting finals. Jake Roper could still win another 60 grand and have a stellar rookie time here at the NFR. So uh, there's a battle brewing. It happens at 5:45 Eastern time here in Las Vegas, and then Saturday Night Live, where champions are crowned for the 38th year since 1985. It has been in a city of lights, previously in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, Indian Territory. Battle brewing. And are there a lot of Native folks there in Las Vegas right now as spectators in addition to the competitors? Well, we're on the western side of the Navajo Nation, so absolutely. Indian country is well represented. And then North Dakota comes down in herds following Bridger Anderson and and um, all of their contestants. Yes, it is absolutely. South Dakota is here in full force. Yes, Indian country. <laughs> <laughs> well, folks, uh, you've heard from him here live on Native America Calling, Randy Taylor, Cherokee and Choctaw Cowboy, and the host of NV1's podcast, Word with a Champ, all the highlights of Indigenous Rodeo. I want to thank all of our guests who joined us today, Esther Boleyn, Allison Waka, Laurel Goodluck, Angeline Bully and Randy Taylor. Join us next week for another lineup of conversations about important indigenous issues and topics. We'll start off with another look back, this time focusing on the world of pop culture. Our executive producer is Art Hughes. Our producers are Andy Murphy and Sol Traverso. Marino Spencer is the engineer. Show McPolin is the digital producer. Nola Daves Moses is the distribution director. Bob Peterson is the network manager for Native Voice One. Clifton Chadwick is our national underwriting sales director. Antonia Gonzalez is the anchor for National Native News. Charles Sather is our chief operations officer. The president and CEO of Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation is Jacqueline Salee. Enjoy your weekend. I'm Sean Spruce. Native American-made gifts at Ho-Chunk Inc.'s Sweetgrass Trading Co. include food, beauty, and wellness items from across Turtle Island. Christmas delivery available for orders placed by December 18th at SweetgrassTradingCo.com. Ho-Chunk Inc. supports this show. Skooktosh, support by Ramona Farms. For over 40 years, Ramona's American Indian Foods has revived peppery beans, panoli, traditional wheat flours, and more. Delivery for your holiday gatherings, available on orders placed at store.ramonafarms.com. Fish 
Our elders are sacred and deserve the best. Check in with them to make sure they have the health care coverage they need. For more information, visit healthcare.gov slash coverage or call 1-800-318-2596. A message from the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. Elakwa. Native America Calling is produced in the Annenberg National Native Voice Studios in Albuquerque, New Mexico by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation, a native nonprofit media organization. Funding is provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with support from the Public Radio Satellite Service. Music is by Brent Michael Davids. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.